Hello and welcome to episode number four of the Football Dose TV's podcast. Today I'm joined again with my co-host Ali. Hey Ali, how are you doing today? I'm fine. A uh, bit of a fever going on over here, but want to discuss football. So let's go. All right. So it's always good to discuss some football, like usual. So what was going on in the world of football that you want to start us off with, Ali? Uh, a lot of things happened. A lot of things happened. Uh, there was a red card incident. Uh, AC Milan, uh-huh. your club, going against my club Manchester United in the next round of Europa League <laughs> so very eager yes. to watch that and a lot of other stuff so let's uh, get it uncovered yes i'm eager to watch the united milan match as well and will be uh, stay tuned with our podcast and stay tuned with our channel we would be giving exclusive coverage of the manchester united versus ac milan match in the europa league uh, coming up so more to come on on our challenge but let's uh, more to come on our channel let's get into the topics today ali what's our first topic First off, I want to talk about uh, Champions League football. Uh, upsets mm-hmm. happened, Porto winning against Juventus, even with an away goal. Uh, things are looking bleak Crazy. for Pirlo's Juve. Manchester, uh, Barcelona mm-hmm. getting thrashed by the hands of PSG. So a lot of stuff. Let's mm-hmm. start off with Champions League football. Well, the, thing, the thing that stood out to me because of the, uh, the results that you mentioned is Kylian Mbappe. Now, we at this channel love Kylian Mbappe, Erlen Haaland. We've spoken about them a lot. And there's a specific reason about that. I think Kylian Mbappe told everyone on the world stage that he is here to stay. We knew that he's won the World Cup. We know he's done a lot of stuff. But thrashing is Messi's team, thrashing Barcelona at Camp Nou, nonetheless, three goals, a hat-trick, and the last goal, absolutely a piece of beauty. I think he's here to stay. What do you think, Ali? Mbappe is one of the greatest talents in the world right now. And the thing that makes him so special is that he's got that silk, silky thing about him. You know, some people who mm-hmm. are special footballers, they have this certain grace to, they have an element of grace to their style of play. And Mbappe is full of it. And I think people compare him with Haaland, which we discussed in the last podcast. But he is more versatile when it comes to providing options to the manager he's playing for. We see with France, he is also used on the left wing, right flank, even as a lone striker. And he mm-hmm. gives you a lot of options. PSG are lucky to have him. And I don't think uh, he should stay in the French League. I want him to uh, lock his horns with oppositions from across Europe in tougher tougher leagues. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. Because it's kind of hurting him in a way. Playing for, for lack of a better word, in a former league. Right? I think if he's to play for a bigger club, such as the Liverpools of the world, such as the... Barcelona, like the club he actually helped thrash. If he was to play for such a stature of club, first thing he would get is competition, which I think he lacks on a day-to-day basis. He gets that world-class competition in only Champions League football. But other than that, I don't think the ins and outs of the day-to-day French football league are. It's up to the standards of, let's say, the competitiveness of Premier League or the exciting football that they play in Bundesliga. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You got a point there. If he really wants to take that next step, he might have to leave Paris. Definitely. And same goes for Haaland as well. Uh, Bundesliga is becoming a Mm -hmm. one-horse race, and it has been for quite a while now. And I want Mm -hmm. Haaland to go to a team. Actually, I want both of these superstars to go to a team which is struggling. Like Cristiano Ronaldo moved from a well-settled Manchester United to a struggling Real Madrid and helped them elevate to a new level. And same goes with Messi. Uh, Barcelona, although they had a lot of superstars in their team, and that is one of the best teams in uh, football history, the 2009 Barcelona. And 
But Messi was the center point. He was the reason that Barcelona dominated world football. And I want the same things for Mbappe and Haaland. I don't want him to stay in PSG, rack up a lot of goals. And at the end of the day, people might not consider him in the bracket of people like Pele, Ronaldo and Messi because of that. What do you think? I think I, you've, you've got a very good point there. Though we might be creating haters by the Dortmund fan or we might be hated by the PSG fans for saying that they're playing for a team which is not at the level which they are at, I think you absolutely do have a point for them to prove themselves like Ronaldo did. Ronaldo, I think, went from sporting, started out there, went to Manchester United, really put himself on the map and then took himself to the biggest club in the world. And keep in mind, after winning three consecutive Champions League, he decided to leave Real Madrid for a new challenge. Right? So he went to Juventus to try to prove himself in another league, in another format, in a totally different way of playing football. And he's proving himself again. Right? So I think you've got a very good point that in order for Haaland or Mbappe to be considered at the same level as the Pele's, the Maradona's and the Ronaldo Messi's of the world, they might have to take that next step and go to a bigger club. Now, I somewhat disagree with when you say that Messi was the focal point because you cannot overlook the contribution that Xavi and Iniesta made to that team. Plus, you put in the solid backline of Puyol and PK. I think that team was once in a generational team. Uh, there teams been, there's been teams like that. The team of uh, AC Milan back uh, back when uh, the team of AC Milan back when they were dominating the European scene. I think those teams are far and few between. And though they have those generational talents like Messi and like Rijkaard, like when Baston had for AC Milan, I think the entire team is world class, and that's what really took them to a special place in the history of world football. But I, I think you've got a very interesting point, and I would love to see Mbappe and Haaland move to a bigger club to get us a little bit more excitement in our day-to-day -day lives. It would be a dream come true for me to see them in Barcelona and Madrid colors. The Galacticos versus Catalans debate will prolong when Messi and Ronaldo are no more playing in the world of football. Uh, Barcelona are struggling big time, and you can't disagree to that. Real Madrid are also mm -hmm. uh, presenting a similar picture. So um, Mbappe for Real Madrid can take the number 7 shirt and continue the legacy of Cristiano Ronaldo. And who knows, Haaland and Mbappe uh, might elevate them to the heights that they've fallen off from. And I think that would be the yes. ideal move for these gentlemen. Now, there, I, I think I said on the last podcast or one of our videos, I said that the Barcelona has a shot at buying Kylian Mbappe or Erlen Haaland. I think I specifically said that Haaland would be good off, well off going to Barcelona. Now, here's my point. I read this internet joke, right? It's a joke in a sense, so no offense to the uh, Galacticos or specifically no offense to the Barcelona fans out there. They said, Barcelona cannot afford to buy a PS5 and they're looking to buy Haaland. What's going to happen? Nothing much. Uh, that's Nothing true, much. but if but to that point, I would like to add, uh, if Messi leaves, you... You actually, you were the person who said these, this uh, specific statement last time we were doing a podcast. If Barcelona let go of Messi, then a hundred million dollar is freed from the budget, and I think they can land uh, Holland with that money, and that won't be a problem. Holland or Mbappe, I think they're looking into Mbappe a little bit more. So I think you're absolutely right; they can do that. And that was my point with the freed up budget that they have after Messi leaves, which I think he would. Uh, they they have an opportunity to land Kylian Mbappe or Haaland if they want to. Now, I, based on that one topic, then you mentioned that Messi's earns over 
100 million per year. Now, the interesting thing is the wage bill of Messi alone is actually more than the entire wage bill of the team. Is I know that. That's crazy. Ridiculous. Crazy. All right. So what I think let's talk about the other interesting result that we had. So let's talk about that shocking loss to one. What happened there? Um, we we talked about we touched this topic the last time we were doing a podcast. Make sure you check that out if you have mm -hmm. time. Uh, but if I go into the an analytical detail of that particular match, Pedro's team had no shape. I think the biggest thing is they lost the transition battle in midfield. Um, people were absent, and I just think that there was not a single point of interest shown by any of the Juventus players. And Porto came out like underdogs, but they were looking pretty dominant, honestly. And I would I would not have been surprised if they copped up a few goals and they should be thankful to Chiesa who has been phenomenal that he <laughs> got a goal for them and Ronaldo can now feed off that and be, uh, become a hat-trick hero again. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So I, I have a question for you based on just this. Who do you think is going through, Porto or Juventus? I like Porto because of the defensive shape that they own throughout the match, right? Uh, they. Mm -hmm are perfect in neutralizing counter-attacks and Juventus are a kind of a team who do counter-attacks in transition and if they are able to stop the crosses coming in from the left-hand side, I think um, Juventus might go out the same way they did against uh, Lyon. But you can never discount the factor of Cristiano Ronaldo, sensational player, did it against Atletico Madrid. So what is Porto in front of that opposition? So I think I'm going to go with Juventus as well. Uh, you cannot just deny the pedigree that they have and specifically at home with an away goal advantage all they really need to do is win 1-0 and they're through and I, I think Ronaldo is going to come out to play and Chiesa got them that all-important one away goal and I feel like uh, Juventus will go through now it, you're absolutely right Juventus got outplayed Juventus got outplayed by a team which we don't even consider top five in Europe Right, so they got outplayed by a team which is actually struggling, and it's unbelievable to see they have struggled for so long on the European scene, and then to lose to them. I I get it's a, a one-off season of filled with COVID and filled with injuries, so anything can happen. But if you really think about it, come on, Juventus, really. <laughs> Anyways, you made some good points, and I made some good points as well. Let's move on towards the next topic, boy. I'm ready to lock horns with your team. Uh, let's talk about AC Milan versus Manchester United. Uh, although... <laughs> I'm going to be a fan and uh, an AC Milan fan for that. I, I think United is going through. Here is my shocking result. Here is my hot take. I think United goes through to the next round. I don't think with the form that AC Milan is in, I don't think we stand a chance against the brilliance of Bruno, Bruno Fernandes. Uh, I don't think we stand a chance against that. Fernandes has been amazing and I think with the form that United has shown in Europa League specifically, uh, I think they go through. Now the only concern I have is I think Solskjaer is not going to pay as much attention to Europa League compared to the Premier League. So he might give more of his time towards the Premier League and charging and staying in the top four than he would uh, really care about. Though we call it an almost Champions League tie. It is, and it's a Europa League tie. So I don't think uh, Solskjaer will go out all out. And if he doesn't go out, I think AC Milan will stand a chance. But if I'm being honest with myself, with the form that we have been in, which can all change, we're recording this before the AC Milan-Roma match, 
If we end up beating Roma, I'll be saying something else. But I think with the form that we have shown, specifically in Europa as of recent as well, drawing against for a Red Star, Svalgia so Prague, I think they're called. I cannot even pronounce their name. But drawing against them, I really think that uh, United have the advantage going into this tie. True. So I would like to ask you one, one thing. Uh, Theo Hernandez and David Calabria, good fullbacks and... Uh, the defense with Fakayo Tamuri in it looks pretty settled, well settled. And on the other hand, we have United who are struggling with Harry Maguire, Eric Bai, and Lindelof. I think the game will be decided uh, by the defense, honestly. And I don't see United going through easily. I think Ibra will prove to be a massive barrier for Manchester United. And they need to be really, really, really dominant if they want to go against AC Milan and win the match. Now, the thing is... Uh, Bruno Fernandes is an X-Factor here, like Messi and Ronaldo are, but you can never discount Ibrahimovic. With one uh, back heel, he can be in open space and score an away goal and take the tie away from us. So I think it will be closer than you're imagining right now. But anyways, let's hope for the best, and I hope that the best team wins. <laughs> let's hope for an exciting match. Let's hope for an exciting match. That's that's what I can say. And on, on your topic about the defense, I think we're covered in the full-back sides. I think the difficulty that we will have is through the middle and our defense our captain so far has not performed in any of the big matches he hasn't shown up i'm talking about alessio ramanioli now ramanioli struggled against lukaku which i i kind of forgave him for that lukaku is world class right now but he struck he's struggling against everyone else as well and i don't think that he would be able to keep up with the pace united have up front and i think that's where we lose the tie now I, I do I absolutely agree with you. There is Chalonolu and there is Latan who can change the tie on its head with one moment of brilliance. But that's one moment of brilliance, right? So I, I feel like United have the advantage. Of course, I would want my team to win, but I'm giving you the advantage here. Yeah. So moving on uh, with the Champions League and uh, wrapping up the topic of uh, Europa League, I would European like to football. ask you what happened to Atletico Madrid. <laughs> so this is the one nil result that we need to really talk about before you go on Olivier i'm really sorry to interrupt you i yeah. want to add one thing they are the spurs yeah. of uh, spanish football they are the chokers of spanish football <laughs> by the way now you can go on uh, I, I i think they might end up choking out I, I thought the title race in la liga was over but oliver Giroud, you beauty you absolute beauty the guy is underrated. The guy is underrated for what he has done. The guy is so underrated for the important goals he has scored for his teams throughout his career. He gets compared to Karim Benzema. That's unfair to him. They're both very different type of players. Now, yeah, there are very different type of players. But I think what happened over here was Tuchel actually just outcoached Simeone. He set up the team in a way where... Chelsea already knew what was going to happen. I saw a picture, and if you can find it, put it on here. Essentially, what Atleti were doing, they were essentially playing with, I think, six to eight-man back line. I think they had 6-2-2 two, two going on. Well, I, so essentially, if you're playing like that, 6-2-2, two, two, what do you expect? They essentially parked the bus, and Giroud's brilliance actually ran through that defense and got that goal that Chelsea deservingly got. So... I'm going to say, I'm going to predict boldly here. I think Atleti goes through with the raw talent that they have. Only if Diogo Simeone, sorry, only if Simeone has the guts 
to let the brilliance of Juan Felix and the monstrosity that's Luis Suarez shine. Let them play their own game. I get that you want to defend, but let the brilliance and the mastermind that is Juan Felix shine, please. What do you think uh, is going to happen next? Um, honestly, I was disappointing with Luis Suarez. First of all, I know he's old and he's already mm. outperformed him uh, his contributions to Barcelona's last season. But I thought there would be an attacking identity with Atletico. I know they're going to defend. I know people are going to run back to form a, a dual backline and they will stop the attack from the middle. But honestly, Suarez was um, really awful to watch. And I think Simeone, the biggest injustice that Simeone is doing to world of footballers right now is he's keeping Joao Felix at his club. I think he should let the bird go and dominate <laughs> world football on a different uh, club. I, I don't think the style of play that Simeone's team have really suits the attacking mindset that Juan is naturally known for. And I think that's where Atleti is kind of holding back. Now, if you see, Atleti was boring to watch. They always like killed you to death with the amount of, like, they essentially parked the bus for a lack of a better word. They were very exciting at the first half of the season. And deservingly so, they were at the top of the table. They were ragdolling oppositions. People were not able to find answer to the defense that Simeone had put together. But it was not just the defense. It was the attack that was clicking. And you had players like Suarez coming in and really shining. And it was not just because of what the team was doing. It had a lot to do with Simeone. And I think the downfall, that the slight downfall that Atleti is facing is to do with Simeone as well. So I want to wrap this up in this way. Who do you think goes through? And do you think Atleti has a chance of winning La Liga still? I would go with uh, Chelsea. Tuchel, uh, people ignore this fact about Tuchel that whenever he has played, he had played with a great shape uh, which connected midfield to defence. So that will be the deciding factor. I think that particular tactic overcomes the Simeone's park the bus. Simeone is giving me the vibes of a budget Jose Mourinho. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I, I I think that's disrespect to Diego Samioni, but I, I think I'm gonna agree with you on that specific match that he did. He, he did look like a budget Jose Mourinho. Javad, I would like to ask you about one incident that happened, and you might be the more qualified person to talk about this one. Uh, the red card of uh, Ramo Frowler. So let's talk about that a little bit. Now there was a lot of people that said that the referee made an instinct decision. The referee just went with his instinct and pointed to the red card right away. Now, there are a couple of things. First thing, I want to put put up a picture of the incident where the red card was given. right? The foul that Freuler given. Now, absolutely, that's a foul. Absolutely, that's a card. Now, the debate is whether it's a yellow or whether that's a red. Now, I, I, I actually agree with the referee. I think it is a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Now... It's not as obvious as an opportunity as you can get if you were through the middle and there wasn't any other defender close by to you. But I don't think that this other defender that was actually covering Freuler gets to the ball. And I think the ball... So there are actually four rules that decide whether it's a clear goal-scoring opportunity or not. First, is he at the last defender? Right. Secondly, is he going to be in control of the ball? And I, I'm missing this uh, other two, but let's skip that part. The two parts that I really want to talk about is the covering defender is nowhere near. And secondly, 
he's actually in control of the ball. Mendy was in control of the ball. So I think, uh, I think, yeah, the general space of football, like how close he is to goal, that's another factor that's very important when you're looking at it's a clear goal scoring opportunity or not. Though he's a little bit on the side and he has a difficult angle, it's still a clear goal scoring opportunity. So I think the red card was fair. Now, it did rob us of an absolutely terrific match, which would have been end-to-end, -end, and I would have loved to watch it, but I feel like it was the right decision at the end. All right, so that was essentially our take on this week's European football, which has been brilliant to watch. Leave a comment down below. We would love to hear what you have to say. Thank you for watching. FDTV out.